This is David. I am so glad to have all of you here with me today. We got a lot to cover. We're going to talk about the temple, the house of prayer that's going up in the United Arab Emeritus. We're going to about talk about Trump, uh, about impeachment. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about his background, how he got to where he is and where he is now. Uh, we're going to talk a little about Mount Hermon, about Nephilim, about the elite and uh, incest, about a war in the heavens and Rabbi Kaduri and uh, a one-day war in which a third of the world will die. And then we're going to put it all together and remind you that in times like these, you need Jesus. Let's talk a little bit about the temple. Somebody I saw on Facebook today, and by the way, I'm not on Facebook right now because until sometime late tomorrow afternoon, I'm in Facebook jail for seven days uh, because, well, they don't like the truth, let me put it simply. They just simply rebel at any mention of the truth that might embarrass them or expose the lies of their friends. And so sometimes you have to be a little careful, and I guess I wasn't as careful as I should have been, and uh, I offended somebody down there. Anyway, I was reading on Facebook, because I can still read on Facebook, a little bit about the temple, and someone had mentioned the fact that any temple uh, that is built in Israel now will be uh, the devil's temple and not God's temple. Well, that sort of makes sense, and I understand where they're coming from, but if you go to the book of Revelation, the angel tells John to go down and measure God's temple. That's assuming, of course, that there is a temple in Israel in the end times, because he's speaking of the days and the times in which we live, and he tells John to take a measuring rod and go down and measure the temple and count the people that worship there. And in 2 Thessalonians, where Paul is talking about the man of sin, he says that the man of sin goes into the holy place and he sits there and he proclaims himself to be Yahweh God, the God of the Jews, the God of the Christians, and he says the God, I'm sure, of the Muslims, those who follow the God of Abraham. And so we have a little bit of a conflict there. We have people saying that this third temple will not be God's temple, and yet we have God speaking of his temple as it exists in Israel on the mount in the last days. And so we have to sort of resolve that conflict, and I sort of wanted to speak to that a little bit. And what I'm going to tell you is simply this. Yes, it is going to be misused, but yes, that spot on the earth is the place where God has said that he will be. It is his place, his spot on that holy mount. And while there may be a mosque there today, it is still God Almighty's spot because he has not given it up or given it to anybody else. It is still the one singular place on the earth that Yahweh has claimed as his own. This is my place. Here I will dwell. And so while men may misuse it, and abuse it, and while before the second coming of Jesus and the establishment of his reign on earth, while there may be a time in which 
the Shekinah glory of God never enters that temple and in which uh, people are misusing and misunderstanding the temple, there is definitely a sense in which it will be God's temple because if there if it isn't God's temple, why would God tell John to measure my temple and the people that worship there? And how could the man of sin enter the holy place and sit there and proclaim himself to be God in the holy place if it were not a holy place? And so we see that no matter how men misuse it, God has claimed that spot as his own. And in the eyes of God, it remains a holy place. I just wanted to talk to that before we got to anything else because there's a lot of things going on. In the United Arab Emeritus, they are planning and they have published the plans and architects drawings and and uh, a video about it it's going to be one place one property it is going to have a mosque it is going to have a church and it is going to have a synagogue and it is going to honor all of those who worship the God of Abraham, supposedly. Now, I might object to the fact and say, no, the Muslims do not indeed worship the God of Abraham. And most of the rabbis and the religious Jews today do not worship the God of Abraham either. They don't seem to understand who that God is, and they brought in other gods and and they utilize witchcraft and a lot of other things and so in that sense they no longer are worshipers of God. But yet it is interesting that somehow under a satanic power there is this unity movement and we see the leaders of evangelical groups and the pastors of megachurches who are traveling to visit with the Pope and talking about unity with Rome. And we see Rome and the Pope going out and visiting with the leaders of Islam in the various Islamic countries and signing documents bringing unity back between the Roman Catholic Church and Islam. And if we see evangelicals joining in with the Roman Catholic Church and we see Muslims joining in then we have the basis for a one-world religion which will enforce itself on the rest of the world and the the pagans have not got a chance the animists the the new agers the, the Hindus, they have not got a chance because this religion is going to be forced on them and the Noahide laws are going to be enforced in every nation in the world under the Antichrist and we will have a one world religion. And of course, the Christians who are born again and led by the Spirit of God are not going to be able to fall for this. They aren't going to be able to place themselves under this, and it will cost them their very lives on earth. But the, the trick is that while it costs them their lives on earth, they will return with Jesus as he is, in the form that he is in heaven in a glorified body and they will follow after him to rule and reign on the earth and so there's bad yes they suffer and die and there's good yes they come back and they rule and they reign with jesus forever and so we have 
this this huge organization which is going to be a one world church and we see the formation of that we see that the Jews in Israel invited 70 nations they had a non-Jew a Gentile do a sacrifice which reinstated the law of Noah the Noahic covenant over the whole earth and they are speaking about inviting all of the people who worship Abraham themselves as Jews Christians and Muslims to worship together in whatever temple goes up on the Temple Mount and so we see that this is indeed the temple of the New World religion and yet that temple of the New World religion sits on the very spot of ground that Yahweh God has said this is where I will reign on earth this is where I will dwell on earth and so there is a sense in which no matter who takes over that spot it remains holy ground because God has never given it away to anybody else and he never will he will reign there but in this temple in Israel that they are getting ready to build we see this invitation to Christians everywhere and to Muslims everywhere to join the Jews on the Temple Mount and worship in the temple that they are building and obviously this has to do with the New World Order the beast the kingdom of the beast the kingdom of the Antichrist all of this we're watching come together and it's a little amazing to watch and so we'll probably get back to that before we finish this program but let's talk a little bit about Trump he comes into this picture you know and and we're gonna bring it all together so as I speak a little bit about Trump you try and imagine how he is fitting into what we already talked about with the temple the unity the uh, religion of the Antichrist the one world religion and the one world new world order so to speak but let's talk about Trump because they brought in this impeachment thing and it's sort of a joke because everybody including the Democrats realizes that it will never work okay they cannot impeach him to impeach him on this they would have to get every single Democrat to vote for impeachment and then on top of that they would have to get 55 Republicans to vote for it and there are not 55 Republicans who are willing to vote for impeachment so if they can't impeach what are they doing well you know I, I saw a bunch of, of Christians on on Facebook who sort of jumped on it and started saying I told you so I told you so I told you he was awful I told you so well yeah you told us that he was awful and yes he is the devil's man but no they aren't going to impeach him and nobody's going to be impressed with your cries of victory because Trump isn't going to lose he's gonna come out of this smelling like a rose because of the fact that the numbers aren't there and the fact that they cannot impeach him without sacrificing Joe Biden and his son now they might even do that they might be willing to sacrifice Joe Biden and his son his son got kicked out of the military for drug use he's been arrested for drug use he uh, is a real winner after his brother died he slept with his brother's widow he's he's just a, a real winner kind of a guy but his dad got him a job on the board of directors of this company all the way in the Ukraine 
And then this prosecutor in the Ukraine began to investigate it. And Biden has on, we have the video, folks. We have the video. Biden sits there on the video and says, yeah, yeah, they, uh, they had this prosecutor who was prosecuting and I told them that if they don't fire that prosecutor, then, uh, you know, they aren't going to get any of the money that the United States has promised them. And so guess what? The prosecutor got fired. He's bragging about that, and now they're trying to impeach Trump on the same kind of, of charge, but much less. And when, when Biden was doing this, he was the vice president of the United States. He was speaking for America. You aren't going to get the money unless you fire this guy. Well, that's a crime. That's a federal crime. And Joe Biden and his son could go to jail in this whole thing, and there is no way that they are ever going to impeach Trump unless they're willing to sacrifice Joe Biden and his son and watch both of them go to jail. That's the only way it's going to work. So what I figure is that everybody's going to come to sort of a quid pro, what do they call it, you know, um, an agreement. They're going to come to an agreement here that we won't impeach the president if you'll leave Joe Biden alone. And that won't really be said anywhere out loud, but it will be the basis behind the decision uh, to let the impeachment go and to let him win. So why are they doing this? Well, my opinion is that what they're doing is very simple. They are writing a fairy tale. This is a fairy tale that was written in hell a long time ago and the elites are, are playing it out and they're playing good guy you know, versus bad guy and they are putting a lot of pressure apparently on Trump and every time they do he wins. Well this makes for a great story. You ever go to a movie where the good guy doesn't have any opposition? I, I've never seen a movie where the good guy didn't have to overcome some kind of opposition. I never read a novel where the good guy didn't have to overcome some kind of opposition. And so what they're doing is they are creating a king. They are creating a king. The Democratic Party is committing suicide. They, they absolutely are. They've set themselves up as Stalinist, communists. Uh, they're telling us basically, you know, if you vote for us, uh, you're going to live the rest of your life in the Soviet Union. Uh, we're going to form a new Soviet Union of America. And we're going to make everybody little communists. We're going to take away everything you own. We're going to take away your ability to do business. We're going to take away your your right to own anything. We're going to take your houses, your cars, your everything away from you and make you all equally stupid, super poor. And that's what we're going to do. And they're bragging about it. And they're telling everybody how they're going to make us all good little communists if they get elected. And what does that do? That leaves Trump as the only alternative. So what are people doing? Well, you've got masses of middle-class Democrats who are abandoning the Democratic Party and saying, yeah, we're going to vote for Trump because we don't want to lose our business to the communists. We don't want to lose our money. We don't want to lose our houses. We don't want to lose our cars. We don't want to lose our lives because some idiot Stalinist gets in power. Are you kidding me? No, I'm going to vote for Trump. And that's where they're going. And they're doing that on purpose. The elite are pushing this. They are going to sacrifice all of these Democrats. They're going to sacrifice them. They're going to throw them out. The devil will use you and then he'll eat you up.
And that's what's happening. He is using these Democrats to destroy, to tear apart. And now he needs control and he's going to bring in the right wing. He's going to bring in this Jewish Messiah, this Jewish kingdom, this new world order, which will be a very Jewish new world order. And they will enforce the Noahide laws around the world in every nation. And that's how it's going to go. But we have Trump, who is, oh man, the titles they've given him recently. I mean, have you thought about what they're, they're calling him? You know, he says, I'm the chosen one. They're calling him the second coming of God. They're calling him the king of Israel. Can you imagine that? And he's proud of that. So let's talk a little bit about Trump. Let's talk a little bit about Trump. More than 100 years ago, back in the 1890s, there was a guy by the name of Ingersoll Lockwood. He was an attorney in New York City, and he was very much into witchcraft and channeling spirits and all of that kind of stuff. And he wrote a book, amazingly enough, called The Adventures of Baron Trump. And I won't go into all that happens in the book, but Trump, little Trump, obviously like a young teenager or something, um, goes to Russia. He goes to Russia and he finds this underground system and he has this uh, huge adventure and he comes home. But listen, he is Donald Trump. I mean, if you could imagine Donald Trump in prep school at 14 with his attitude, this is the hero of the book on little Baron Trump, the marvelous underground journey of Baron Trump. You can look it up. And he describes Trump. Amazing. And then his next book is called The Last President. So we have Little Baron Trump and The Last President, although within the books themselves there's no real connection, but there is a connection that there is a book called Baron Trump, and the very next book by the same author is called The Last President, and it sort of talks about the kind of politics that we have going on today. And he was foretelling. He called it a work of, of what was a mimetic uh, kind of, of sorcery and, and foretelling. He was foretelling the future based on something called mimetics. And so... He was telling the future, and he tells about this kid named Baron Trump, and then he talks about the last president and the amazing description of how things are going today in politics. And so we look at that, and we say, could this have been the demons looking forward to Trump, already having an idea what's going to happen. Is it possible? Yes, absolutely it's possible. Um, absolutely it's possible. But let's look at Trump himself, Trump's father. A lot of Trump's father's friends thought he was Jewish. He was a number one supporter of Jewish causes. He was a huge supporter of Israel. He was a huge supporter of Jewish charities. He gave millions of dollars to help Israel and to help even poor people within Israel and all sorts of different causes for the Jews. And literally, some of his friends thought he was Jewish, although he wasn't, or at least we don't know that he was Jewish. He could have been genetically, and he could be genetically, uh, one of... Uh, the ten tribes from one of the ten tribes. We don't know that. It's possible. 
and it's possible that Donald is as well. But we know that his father was into Jewish causes. We know that Trump, when he was in school, his father hired for him a Kabbalah teacher. Do you know anything about Kabbalah? If you don't, you need to look it up. Because Kabbalah is the source of witchcraft for almost everything in the world. Almost all witchcraft comes out of the Kabbalah. It's a Jewish thing, and it is based on the mysticism that they learned while they were in Babylon. It is Babylonian mysticism carried up through uh, the Jewish people. And Donald Trump had a man who is now one of the top Kabbalah teachers, and I guess he was then, in the United States. He runs a major Kabbalistic, Kabbalistic uh, organization, and he teaches classes for a lot of money in the Kabbalah still. And Donald Trump's father hired that man as a tutor to personally tutor Donald Trump in the Kabbalah. So we know that he has a connection in a very negative spiritual way to Judaism and to Jewish mysticism and that he was actually trained and he says so he tells us this in his own autobiography that he talks about there about a conversation with his Kabbalah teacher so we aren't this isn't some kind of a thing that we make up this is his own words, have talked about his Kabbalah teacher. And so that makes a connection there. And then once he became president, he recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. You say, so what? Well, everybody promised to do that. Presidents forever have promised to recognize Jerusalem. But nobody did it till Donald Trump. Well, Donald Trump is connected to Israel in all of these ways that perhaps no other president has ever been so connected to Israel as Donald Trump is. So for him, it was natural to do that, but it was risky politically. It was risky in the Middle East. It was risky in that it, it there were people promising to bomb and, and destroy and kill if he did that. And he did it anyway. And he recognized it. And then he moved the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Other countries have followed now. But he was the first to move an embassy to Jerusalem saying, yes, not only do we recognize it in words, but here is a physical manifestation of our recognition that Jerusalem is the eternal capital of Israel and the Jewish people. And so he did that. And then later we find that he takes the Golan Heights, which is the northern part of Israel, up border Syria, and he recognizes that as being a fully Jewish territory. And that's interesting because up in the corner there near Syria and uh, Israel up on the border is Mount Hermon. And Mount Hermon is where all of the fallen angels came down before Noah. And they came down to Mount Hermon. And this is one of the, the chief witchcraft sites in the world because this is where the supernatural entered the life of, of men um, and all of the ancient gods were from Mount Hermon and so he recognized in recognizing the Golan Heights he recognized that Mount Hermon belongs to Israel and the largest permanent United Nations station in the world is on the top of Mount Hermon and you have to wonder why. Why would the United Nations put a huge, huge facility right on the top 
of the mountain that is known as the place where the sons of God descended to the earth. Um, it's, it's a strange situation. But he recognized that. And you may say, oh, wow, so what? Well, listen, folks, if you were Jewish, you wouldn't be thinking that. If you were in Israel, you wouldn't be thinking that. Because the rabbis have come out and said things like, these are miracles on a par with Moses. They are comparing Donald Trump with Moses, and they are saying that recognizing Jerusalem, moving the embassy, recognizing the Golan Heights, that these are miracles on a par with what Moses did. And if you can't see that yourself, at least understand that the leading rabbis in Israel see Donald Trump as a Moses kind of figure. He is their hero, and they are calling him Messiah Moshiach. They're using that title to describe him and to speak of him, and they've built a new town, or they're building a new town. They put up the sign, at least, and had a big ceremony out in the desert in the Golan Heights, and they've built a new place called Trump Heights, which will be forever a city in Israel. Trump Heights. Imagine that. There's a, a, a train station in Jerusalem named after him. And they're trying to name more stuff after him because they see him as a supernatural figure almost sent from God to help them and to prepare the way for their Messiah Messiah ben David, the son of David, the Antichrist, as you might call him, to show up. And so Trump is there, you know, and this is why going back to uh, what we talked about a little earlier about his impeachment and all of these things, Another reason that I believe that he is going to do this is that I believe that there is a real movement and that the, the super people, the Rothschilds, the people in power, the, the bankers in the world, all of these people are either Jewish or pro-Israel. And I believe that we're going into that direction and that the kingdom of the beast is going to be a Jewish kingdom and that whoever the Antichrist is is going to be either Jewish or extremely pro-Jewish and the Jews are going to accept him. The Jews who have rejected Jesus Christ as their Messiah are going to accept him as if he was the Messiah. And they're already calling Trump Messiah. Is he going to be the Antichrist? I don't know. But I do know that he is at least leading the way up to whoever is going to be Antichrist. He is preparing the way, sort of John the Baptist-like. Uh, he, he is preparing the way for the coming of the Anti-Messiah and the establishment of this one-world Jewish kingdom called the new world order and uh, so he's coming down with all of this stuff now the elite like i said the rothschilds let's talk about rothschilds the original rothschild baron rothschild was a court jew interesting that um in Europe, all of the, the royal courts had court Jews. This came from uh, Daniel in Babylon. And from that time on, it was always the deal with, with these royal families and, and royal courts that they would have a court Jew. And these court Jews usually became wealthy. Well, Rothschild really worked it and he became one of the wealthiest men in the world by using his uh, position as a as a court Jew and 
he believed that he and his wife had Nephilim blood. They were not quite human. They had a lot of Nephilim blood in them. He believed that. He believed that so seriously that he married five of his sons off to their first cousins. And then when the grandchildren came along, he married 16 of his grandchildren to first cousins. And all of this incest was in order to uh, make stronger, to strengthen and make more powerful this Nephilim blood that he believed that they had. Well, I believe he was right. And I believe that uh, the royal families in the world, the presidents of the United States, all of these people have been related and they're all related and they all share this Nephilim blood. The elite have positions and, and power that you and I could never attain to because we're fully human and they aren't. And all of the presidents of the United States, save one, have been related to a single king in England. And the one who wasn't related to the king of England was related to the king in Holland, to the Dutch kings and queens and the Dutch royal family. So you figure it out. They're all related. I mean... Even Obama, through his mother, is a cousin of George Bush. Figure it out. These people are elite, and they're separate, and they're apart, and they are running things, and they're running all of these politics. All of this attack from the left and the suicidal move of the left to the far left to, to communism, Stalinism, Maoism. All of this is a, a, a move directed by the elites who are over them. And all of these attacks on Trump, the very fact that Trump is president, is something that they established and they caused to happen. Now that he's in, all of these attacks on him are orchestrated. And why are they orchestrated? They're orchestrated so that he can win so that he can defeat all of these horrible foes, come out on top, and everybody else goes down, and he appears as the hero. This is a story, folks. And it leads up to the New World Order, and it's all scripted. Every bit of it is scripted. There is pretty obviously to me, a war in the heavens, not a war between God Almighty and the devil, but there seems to be uh, warfare between groups which have different ideas. There were 70 different gods or spirits, gods with a little g, who were given authority over 70 different nations uh, following the Tower of Babel. And so you've got these different powers and authorities, and they have always been at war. The wars you see physically on the earth are just mirrored images of these wars between these beings and whatever in the heavenlies. And so you've got this war going on and it's sort of known who's going to win. It's sort of known who's going to win, but it is a real war in the heavens and, and it plays out here on earth. And so we have a rabbi in Israel named Kaduri and we're going to sort of end with this because we're going on a little long today and that's all right but we're going to talk about Kaduri Rabbi Kaduri in Israel 
Now understand, this man is not God's man. He, he's heavily into the Kabbalah and the Talmud and all that, but he has a very excellent connection with spirits on the other side. And uh, they can talk to him, or they could, while he was alive, and they could tell him, you know, what was going on and what was going to happen. And so, as I speak of his prophecies, these are not God's prophecies. This is not like Jeremiah or Isaiah. This is uh, more like Balaam kind of thing. Um, and so, Kaduri, 40 years ago, spoke of today. He said there would be a time when there would be elections, but no government. There would be infighting in the government. He mentioned that this would happen around the year, in the year 5780. There would be a war in the heavens at that time, and the good side would win. That's what he said. But he was correct in that as we hit 5780 today, Rosh Hashanah, there is no government in Israel. They've had two elections, but they haven't been able to form a government. Um, he got the year right, 5780. He actually said that there would be two Benjamins vying for power uh, within the government. And we have Benjamin Netanyahu and Benjamin Gantz, who is known as Benny, but his name's Benjamin Gantz. And so he got that right. So what did he get right? He got right 5780. He got right the fact that there would be elections, but no government. He got right that there were two Benjamins that would be fighting for each other. And then he said that at this time... Messiah will come. Well, understand that he had rejected Jesus Christ as Messiah. He had rejected Jesus Christ as Messiah. So the Messiah he was speaking of is the anti-Messiah, the Antichrist. And he said that at this time, and he didn't say on this day, but he said at this time, when there's no government and there's a war in the heavens and there's elections and there's two guys named Benjamin fighting each other and we're into the year 5780, that then, at that time, Messiah will come. And so we have to look at Trump all into the Kabbalah Trump, whose father was all into Jewish causes. Trump, who even a man a uh, hundred years earlier used his name and then spoke of the last president. We're seeing Trump being accosted from all sides, and yet he continually wins. We see Trump as he... Uh, recognizes Jerusalem as he moves the embassy, as he does all of these things, as he recognizes the Golan Heights, we see rabbis in Israel referring to him as Messiah, and we see them comparing him to Moses. And so this time is upon us. But one thing that will probably happen first before that, if I read my Bible right, is this war that Ezekiel spoke of. This war. All of the countries are lined up. Forty years ago, fifty years ago, people would have laughed at you if you said that, that Russia would be partnering with Iran in Syria and coming against Israel. That would have been unfathomable, but that's what the Bible says will happen in the last days, and that's exactly how it stands today. And the way it got there is just an unbelievable series of events that have brought that together. But 
we're standing there and this war two things I want you to notice about this war in Ezekiel is number one it lasts one day a one-day war and number two one-third of all the human beings on the face of the earth are killed in that one day one out of three people on the face of the earth die on that day and it seems that it is immediately after that that the Antichrist actually moves in because he will be the answer and let me tell you something you know I thought for a long time that God might be preparing me and that when everything fell apart all of these Christians who haven't wanted to know anything about prophecy who don't want to know what's happening that they would suddenly be interested and they would come running and I would be able to tell them I don't think so I think I'm talking right now to just about all the people that will ever hear what I'm saying and I think we're a very small group because I believe that most of the Christians most of the church people are going to run after this anti-messiah and they're going to do that because he is going to tell them whatever they want to hear when you listen to the man speak he will tell you what you want to hear and he is going to promise to rescue you out of this nuclear holocaust he is going to promise to bring peace and security he's going to promise to restore all of the financial systems in the world and to make them work again he's going to promise that you can keep your house and your car and your job and your clothes and your computer and all of your little goodies he's going to tell you that he is going to save your way of life he is going to be Babylon's last hope and all of the Christians who have their feet planted in Babylon and whose hope is all wrapped around their jobs their careers their houses their stuff are going to fall for him because there's going to be no alternative except starvation hardship and death and most of the Christians that I know when faced with hardship and death are going to choose to follow after the Antichrist and it will lead not only to death and destruction but it will lead to eternal damnation so we put it all together they're building a temple they're building a house of prayer in the United Arab Emeritus with a church and a synagogue and a mosque on the same property we have evangelical leaders and Muslims all running to the Pope and we have a huge group of churches in the United States who are preaching something called unity it's like unity at all costs doctrine forget it forget everything you ever knew about doctrine forget all your theology forget the Bible just unify become one because our only safety is in unity not in God so we have Trump as the second coming of God the chosen one the king of Israel recognized as equal to Moses called Messiah in Israel we have Kaduri 40 years ago predicting a time in which there would be elections but no government and two Benjamins would run and there would be at that time Messiah would show up in Israel we're looking forward to a war in which the Bible tells us one-third of mankind will die so I'm going to close with this I'm going to close with this and it's simple you need Jesus you need Jesus 
Because if you are going to stand against the New World Government, if you are going to reject the Anti-Messiah, you are going to face unbelievable, incredible hardship. Hardship. Real hardship. Deep, deep hardship. And pain and suffering and death. Jesus said that you would have tribulation. He said, they will hand you over to be killed. He said, not only that, your own children, your own brothers, your own sisters, your own family is going to turn you in and get you killed. That's what Jesus said. And without him, you see, he said, I will go with you. He didn't say, I'll get you out of all this. I'll protect you from all of this. I'll keep it from happening. No, he said, this is going to happen, but I will be with you. But he's not going to be with you unless you're with him. And you need to get right with him. You need to repent of your sin. You need to turn away from it. You need to turn to Jesus. And you need... To fall in love with him and to fall in love with the truth because the deception that is here is unbelievable and God has promised that he himself will send a delusion and cause most to believe the lie. And so the lie will be of the devil but God himself will cause people to believe that lie. And the only way to avoid that is to be in love with the truth. And Jesus is the truth. The way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by him. Let's pray. Father, I just ask you for these people who hear this little message. And I ask you that you would speak to their hearts. And that you would convict them of the urgency of the moment and that you would convict them of their sin and that you would bring them to repentance and salvation and the truth and to life eternal and I ask it in Jesus name. Amen.